Well, if you have a Bible, you can um, open it up to Luke chapter 9, but we're going to be there pretty quick. Uh, so Luke chapter 9, is we're just going to look at a couple verses from there. But today, uh, we are uh, going to start 40 days of prayer. And let me just say again, if maybe you're just joining us online, uh, I am, I'm sure like many of us in the room, are feeling the tension a little bit of again this week. Uh, kind of these orders and uh, the feeling of like, oh man, who has it? Who doesn't have it? What does all that mean? And um, and so I'm feeling the tension of being, uh, on one hand, really grateful um, for specifically for those of you watching online, being able to do that. Um, I sent out a video earlier this week just kind of trying to say, hey, look, if you can't come in person and you're part of our church family, remember, Last year, you literally invested in the ability to be able to live stream. So participate in that if that's how you can engage. And so I'm really grateful for that technology. But I'm also feeling the tension of while I'm grateful for that, I'm also wishing that many of you were here because I know that you want to be here uh, because I've communicated with many of you this week through text and through call saying, hey, I want to be there, but this has happened or this is the situation. And so we're going to participate uh, online. And so that's just a situation we find ourselves in. It's I've said this to uh, you before. It's good for us to name those things that are just kind of tensions in us and to say, I wish it wasn't this way, but this is how it is. And and we're here to together, whether that be on this on a screen in your house or whether that be in this room, we're grateful for much of it, uh, for, for all of it that we can participate in. I'm grateful that we're still able to gather as much as we can. And so we're simply going to make the best of it. We're going to continue to worship Jesus. Nobody is telling us we can't worship Jesus. Nobody is telling us we can't practice our faith. And so we're going to continue to do those things. We're going to live in community as much as it depends on us. We're going to live at peace with everybody and we're going to be on the mission of Jesus in the world. And so again, this morning we're joining with our Greater Alliance family in starting this journey through 40 days of prayer. So that's going to be six Sundays, uh, including in a few Sundays, hearing from some international workers who are going to be joining us in person, Lord willing. Uh, And so as part of the 40 days of prayer, there's a bunch of resources and opportunities for you to engage uh, with the content, the prayer themes that we're going to be covering for the next 40 days. So on our church website, which is simply lansdown.church, you can see right on the homepage, we have a link for a daily email that the Alliance will send you with daily devotionals through these 40 days for to encourage you to pray, uh, take time to have that devotional. Now, I did this last year, but if you're, how many of you are more auditory learners? You engage with stuff better through audio. That's me. Uh, and maybe that's why I like to talk so much. Um, but if you are more of an auditory learner, um, I am taking those written devotionals and turning them into audio devotionals. Uh, and so I got some good feedback last year on doing that. And so I did it again this year. And so the first, today's day one. So day one is already up. Uh, if you listen to our uh, sermon content on like a podcasting app, it'll show up right in that same feed. Uh, so I just put it in the same place I put our sermons. You can go to our website, lansdown.church, find those. Um, and then the last thing. Uh, is that there's going to be two midweek prayer opportunities for us as a church for the next six weeks. We're going to be doing, I've already put these on our events page on our church website as well, but a 30-minute prayer meeting each Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock for the next six weeks. So you can see the dates on our church website, but the first one is this Wednesday, 
Eight o'clock, if the weather permits, we'll just meet outside. We'll pray together. If the weather is even better than that, we might just take a prayer walk around uh, the neighborhood a little bit if we're able to. But we're going to pray together for 30 minutes around the theme uh, of the 40 days of prayer. So don't come expecting it to be um, one of those prayer times where we kind of talk for 20 minutes and then pray for five. We're going to pray, hopefully, for most of that 30 minutes around these themes that we're going to be seeing in the next uh, six weeks. And if it's possible, the weather permits, which I don't know what it's going to be like on Wednesday, um, but we will maybe take a prayer walk as well. So let me just invite you, encourage you, exhort you, whatever word you want, uh, to engage in as much of this stuff as you can in some way, right? If you have the, the so maybe some of us are feeling like, man, I'm already like really stretched thin and I don't, just don't even have the mental space. If you have the margin to engage in multiple ways, great. If you don't, if all you can think to do right now is, man, I, I just can I just spend five minutes in prayer? Please just do that. There's no pressure. There's no guilt. It's just an invitation. But everything that we're going to talk about in terms of awakening for the next six weeks is not going to happen if this is just a theme for Sundays. This has to be something more than that. So we want to really try this year. Um, and so, you know, to just put all my cards on the table, I was excited about this. I had different ideas about prayer gatherings. And then, you know, Wednesday we got the announcement we got. So we're going to just make the best of it. The Lord is sovereign. He's glorious. And we're going to worship him and pray and see what he might do. So that's the invitation for me. And so I want to start things off by hearing from the president of our denomination, Dr. John Stumbo. And he's going to kind of kick things off for us this morning. Welcome to the 40 Days of Prayer. We're very pleased that you've chose to join us for this spiritual journey. Our theme this week is the glory of Christ. You know, I'm intrigued by the fact that when we speak of the life of Christ, often we think of his three decades or so on planet Earth, and that's appropriate in many ways. But when we think of the life of Christ, let's also think of the pre-existent Christ who was with the Father and Spirit at creation, speaking this world into existence. That fabulous moment of the glory of God expressed through creative power. And when we speak of the life of Christ, let's also think in terms of the Christ who reigns with the Father on high and lives to intercede for us at this moment, worshiped by the angels and celebrated in, in all the glory of heaven. And let's think of the glory of Christ's return when every eye will see him and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His glory will be a theme for all eternity, and it's our theme for this week. It's good. It's good that we spent the Christmas season reflecting on this Christ who came as an infant, and it's good that we'll acknowledge his death and resurrection later on in the year, but at this moment, let's take a step back and think of the whole of Christ's existence. As impossible as that is, let's enter into the glory of our Christ with the hopes that it will lead us to a new level of profound adoration, admiration, and worship. He is the glorious King. He is celebrated on high. Let's lift our hearts to him this week. 
So we said this earlier already, but we're going to take a little bit of an abbreviated approach. And so again, just all the cards on the table coming from the Alliance, there were sermon theme ideas for these six weeks. And today's theme is uh, reawakening or awakening to the glory of Christ. And so we're going to look at that, but based on kind of our situation, we're going to do it a little bit shorter so that um, we can be as safe as we can be and all of that. And so um, I just want to look at one text and a couple things together along this theme. Uh, and so first, what picture can we have of the, of the glory of Jesus, right? What, like what picture, when you think glory of Jesus in the Bible, what, what do you tend to think of? For me, I tend to pretty quickly go to the book of Revelation, right? We see this picture of Christ uh, riding in on a white horse and all that stuff, and he's wearing this robe, and this is a glorious Christ, uh, and, and this, this is a true vision. This is a vision of the glorious Christ. But what about uh, the glory of Christ like in the life of his disciples with him? And so this is where the book of Luke comes in because uh, it, it's not from a vision like in Revelation, but it's from an actual experience in the life of the disciples of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, this is a really sort of key passage where we see a picture and a demonstration of the glory of Christ. So I'm just going to read this and then uh, just a few ideas from the text uh, this morning. This is from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is chapter 9, I believe, starting in verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, so if you want to know what that is, go back and read the Gospel of Luke. About eight days after these sayings, he, Jesus, took with him Peter and John and James, so three guys, three disciples, Peter, John, James, went up on the mountain with Jesus to pray. And as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were walking with him, Moses and Elijah. Now there's a whole, like we could do 12 weeks of sermons on the meaning of that. That's not what we're doing today. And so Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus in glory and spoke of Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, referring to the crucifixion. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, so as Moses and Elijah were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. So pretty interesting scene here. These guys go up on a mountain to pray, and they have this experience that we call the transfiguration, where they get a glimpse of Jesus in his glory with Moses and Elijah. And so what, what we want to get to today is the idea of awakening. What, what is an awakening or a reawakening, if you will? But before we get there, I want to point two things out from this text that are still true for us today that I think get us to this idea of awakening. The first is this kind of, com it's kind of comical, a little bit, at least for me, when you read this text, it's this reality of being asleep while the glory of Christ is right there next to you, right? I don't know if you noticed that in the text, but here's Peter, and the text says those who were with him, so Peter, James, and John, they were all heavy with sleep, 
Okay, now we woke up this morning, we were heavy with sleep. Maybe coffee did it for you, it did it for me, whatever that was, heavy with sleep, right? In this text, we're seeing that Peter and those with him can literally be almost asleep with the Old Testament Shekinah glory Jesus right there with him. So how is that, how is that possible? And then the next question I ask is, how much more can we who know and follow Jesus be heavy with spiritual sleep in our own walk with Christ and not notice the glory of Jesus right in front of us? How often can it be true of us that we're in like a spiritual slumber and we don't notice the glory that is Jesus's glory right there with us? So, so we, we don't recognize the glory of Jesus and we don't recognize what he's doing and, and we miss it. So maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, give us an example, Pastor, right? I'm glad you asked. Where is the glory of Christ right now that, that maybe I'm not seeing or just not fully aware of? And so this morning, as I'm kind of going over these notes and praying in my office, I couldn't help but think of, honestly, this moment right here, this moment right now, that Christ is showing off his glory in the fact that our little family, our, our church family, has continued to be a church family, even in the midst of all the things that could have caused us to lose hope and close doors. Because I know pastors that that's the case, and I know churches that that's the case. And yet here we are. That's the glory of Christ, if you'll see it. That, that we're a church family, that we exist, we're here. COVID has kind of wrecked shop for a couple of years, and yet here we are. That's the glory of Christ. We're gathering despite everything going on that according to many voices should cause us to not gather or close our doors or lose hope. Here we are. We're, we're being wise as we can be. Many of us are joining online in order to be wise, and yet here we are. So see that as the glory of Christ, that Jesus is glorified in that, that our relationships are intact. We're together. And so I see that as his glory, but I want more. I want more of that glory. I, I see that and I want to do something with that, right? I don't know if you've had that experience where you see God do something great. And you're like, oh, I got to do something with that. I want to start this thing or do that. And this is what leads us to make the mistake that actually Peter makes in this text, which is kind of interesting. So we see Peter awakened to the glory of Jesus, the glory of Christ. And then what's his reaction right in that text? Immediately, what does he do? He starts thinking of something to do. Well, as Peter does, he starts talking too soon. He wants to make tents. And that seems weird if it's like you're new at reading the Bible or you're not aware of kind of all the stuff. But if we had time to go back in the Old Testament and, and explain some of that, you would understand why the tents are a big deal. But, but here's the point for us today. When we encounter the glory of Christ, I think this is probably more universally true than I'm willing to say, but I know it's true of me. When we encounter God at work or we encounter Jesus doing something glorious, we almost always try with good intentions, right? Peter's doing this with good intentions, with good faith. We almost try, almost always try to take some kind of immediate action and we end up like Peter. And so the text says that basically Peter didn't even know what he was saying. He didn't even realize what he was getting into. He was kind of speaking out of turn. That's how the glory of Christ is, though, I think. You and I, on our own, uh, we're not able to immediately take that encounter of the glory of Jesus and do anything with it that leads to the kind of glory that God is after, right? We put the cart before the horse. 
And so we have to do what the voice in the cloud in this encounter that, that Peter and James and John says to do, which is simply to listen. Listen to the voice of the one that God sent, of the Son of God, of Jesus. Instead of seeing the glory of Christ, then immediately going, oh, now I know what to do. Let's start this ministry. Let's do this project. Let me serve in this way. What we must first do is stop and listen for the voice of God. And that's frustrating for us because we like things to move quick. It's especially, that's especially my personality. I don't want to stop and listen and think. I just want to go. But to encounter the glory of, to be reawakened to the glory of Jesus is to stop and listen to this glorious one. This is the path to awakening. So then let's just, as we close this morning, let's just ask this question. What is awakening? What is an awakening? Well, here is a definition from the dictionary. The definition of reawaken, and you could say awaken as well, is to emerge or cause to emerge again with reference to a feeling or a state or a renewal of a feeling or an interest. Okay, so many of us during the pandemic had an awakening of new hobbies, right? Or maybe a reawakening. Oh, a lot of people got into baking bread and stuff like that, including myself. I get into this, like I bought a smoker, started making food I never made before because I was bored and I had this reawakening of like, I need a hobby to do. Well, in the same kind of way, but in a spiritual sense, this awakening, it's a verb, it's an action word. It's something that, that takes place. And so when I think about awakening, of course, you think about that state we all experience when we wake up in the morning, we go from that like fully asleep to half asleep grogginess and then we fully are like firing on all cylinders, full on awake, aware of the world energy, right? Now, some of us, that period of time is like an hour, and some of us, it's like five seconds. And the five second people drive the hour people nuts. This is spiritually true as well, right? As believers, we all know that we can experience times when we feel spiritually groggy. We feel heavy with sleep spiritually, some of us might be feeling that right now. It might be connected to feeling heavy with, the, here we go again. Lord, where are you? What's going on? And so this can also be true, not only individually, it can be true of churches and of large parts of the church as well. And so what we're saying, along with our Alliance family, is that it seems that this may be the state of many of us in the church today and, and kind of in the big C church that we are a part of, uh, at least in kind of the American evangelical church, right? But we don't lose hope. Like, we've seen God work before. We know he'll work again. Jesus is still glorious. And not only that, we have, again, evidence, and some of us experience in recent times of this kind of awakening. Maybe you've been part of something like this in a church family or in your small group, or maybe you were part of like a movement of churches that you saw this kind of awakening. There's some famous historic examples, such as the first and the second great awakenings. Maybe if you have a little bit of familiarity with the church and church history, you've heard those words before, those, those kind of names. There was those two in the United States, or there was uh, what some call the spiritual resurgence under uh, preachers like Moody and Sankey and Spurgeon. I've named that used that name before in the late 19th century. There's, I could tell you stories, uh, one in particular that I like to tell when I'm teaching about Jesus, our healer, uh, from the Ivory Coast of an awakening of all these Christians. We have these in church history. And so if you've never read stories 
about this, I want to just encourage you, get on Google and let Google the first and second great awakenings and see what those were all about and see what God did. And so what you will find, that's the common thread in all of those, as they were marked by a time before that awakening happened of deep longing for the glory of Jesus and of listening for his voice. You're always going to find that. That, that those times of awakening are, uh, are sort of, uh, before they happen, there is this time of listening for the voice of Jesus and experiencing his glory. There's this hunger for Jesus. There's this hunger for his presence, his word, his spirit, his good news, his gospel. And so then how does awakening come? Well, the first thing we have to say is that awakenings are not going to be manufactured. We cannot manufacture spiritual uh, awakening. So in our sort of climate of churches, as I kind of engage in social media, see what's going on in the news, there are a lot of people, a lot of pastors telling you that you can sort of manufacture this kind of awakening. Believe this, pray this, do this, send in this thing and get the prayer cloth back or whatever, and then God's going to do this kind of awakening or he's going to do this or that. That's simply not the case biblically. You can't bargain with God and make him do something. That's just not how it works. And it's not the case historically. You don't see that ever actually working. When we lived in Florida, there was a famous uh, town or a famous kind of awakening supposedly happening in this town nearby. And, and it, it kind of went on for a little while. And then a couple years later, it began to fall apart and everything fell because it was manufactured and it wasn't from the Lord. And so we can't manufacture, right? It's rainy outside today. It's potentially going to be snowy outside in the next few days. I don't know. But there's nothing that I can do to make rain start or stop. I mean, it's the same example we saw with the glitter earlier. There's nothing we can do to make the sun shine on the water. There's nothing I can do to make rain start or stop. I, I can't, I have no control over that. But I can prepare for the rain. I can wear the right clothes. I can put my rain jacket on. I can do all those things so that when rain does happen, I'm ready. I've used this metaphor before for uh, the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on us. We can't manufacture that. But if you want to think of that like a faucet, there are things you can do to position your life under the faucet so that when God decides to work and move and turn the faucet on, you're there and you're ready. So we can be prepared. We can't manufacture the glory of Christ. We just simply can't. But we can live in a way that prepares us for the moment that Christ reveals his glory. And the way we do that is by making personal reformation in our own spiritual lives through the spiritual disciplines and through repentance, the norm. That the norm for walking with Jesus is to live a life of spiritual disciplines and repentance for the sake of more Jesus. Not for the sake of doing those things, but for the sake of living in his presence and hearing his voice. So we continue to pray. We continue to listen to Jesus. We read his word. We study his word. We engage in the community of faith whatever way we can. And as we do that, what we see in, in church history is sort of concentric circles of the glory of Christ moving as he chooses to reveal himself in that way. So I'm going to give you three words, renewal, revival, and awakening as we kind of wrap this up. First, what we see is renewal. 
As we go through that process of personal repentance as a norm and personal reformation as a norm, that we continue to look for the areas of our life that are not present to Jesus in the way that we want them to be. We see renewal as this fresh energy comes to us personally, and then because we're engaged in the community of faith, that spreads out to our church. I have experienced this. Just right before I came as the pastor to this church, I went through a period of about six months of not really having like a job job. And so I had all this time where I was spending much more time than I had even in the past journaling and just spending time with Jesus. And I saw a personal renewal in my own spirit. People were coming up to me and saying things that made me feel weird. Like, you seem a lot more patient lately. What's going on? Well, I've been hanging out with Jesus more. Right, And so, so that's the evidence of it, and that's how it spills out into the life of the community of faith, your church. Then as that re- renewal is working in us and it's spilling out into our church family, we begin to see revival take hold as we see sort of this uh, snowball effect, right? Because if, if people are being affected by your personal renewal and then they start having personal renewal, you begin to see this snowball effect happen as the work of the Spirit in the church begins to sort of grow and, and, and multiply. And then finally, uh, historically what you see is, is what as what God is doing in us and in the church spills out into the community and even into the culture, then we see what we've seen in the past where awakening takes place and big changes happen. And we're poised for that. Now, there's a sense in which we're always poised for that. But we have to take note of the time in history that we're living in, that we're poised for something like that. People are seeking. May they find Jesus through us. So first, renewal, and then revival, and then, Lord willing, awakening. This is what we long for, whether that be in your home, in your neighborhood, in our community, in our state, in the country, in the whole globe. That is what we long for, people to be awakened to the glory of Jesus. This is what we are praying towards and listening for in specific over the next six weeks, but always, but this is what we want. And so again, let me just invite, let me just encourage, let me just exhort you to engage as much as you can over these next six weeks, right? It's a new year. People are doing new year, new me, new habits, and that stuff's fine. But what you need is Jesus, You don't need another year of making yourself better. You need a year of letting Jesus transform you by you viewing his glory and being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. He's already done the work. Just look on him, take him in, spend time with him. That's what we're praying towards and listening for over the next six weeks together. So let me invite you show up for that, engage in that. Whatever way that looks like, whether that's online or in person or however that looks, engage in it and let's seek the glory of Christ. Let's long for that glory to bring awakening both to just us personally first and then if he sees fit to do that in our community and in our church. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we thank you for, we thank you that you're glorious and that your part of your glory is your love for us and that You loved us enough to take on human form, to come in the story of Christmas and Advent that we just finished celebrating so that you might be with us, so that you might share your glory with us in the mysterious way that you do. And so Jesus, would you uh, give us a fresh sense of your glory as we go out from here? Would you give us eyes to see your glory where maybe we've just kind of gone blind to it in our world, in the little things, in the relationships, 
in maybe our place of work or maybe at a school we're a part of or in a, a simple interaction with someone that we would see your glory, we would recognize it and then that we would remember to be still and to listen for your voice, to see what you want us to do. How do you want us to move next, Jesus? May that be our prayer. We ask this in your name. Amen.